You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Amen. So uh, the title of the lesson today is New Treasures as Well as Old. And uh, it's from a, a passage that I will read. New Treasures where's Old. So like, like that's the new treasure. It's your iPad. There's the old treasure, your, your Bible there. But uh, uh, I'm going to read this passage here. This is from Matthew 13. It says, He said to them, Therefore every teacher of the law who's become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. And uh, this is a passage, you've probably heard this before, you might have not noticed it before, it's in Matthew 13. So anytime the Bible says, therefore, it's always good to say, what's that therefore, therefore? And uh, so back up, therefore, what is he talking about? And, and, and uh, Matthew 13, just a reminder, I know we did a whole Matthew series uh, uh, over the summer, but uh, Matthew 13 it has a lot of those parables that we are familiar with. The parable of the sower, if you ever need to do a Bible talk and you don't have a plan, parable of the sower is always a great Bible talk, right? Uh, it's, it's a great parable just about the, the sowing of the seeds and, and the different, it's the same seed, it's the same farmer, but there's all these different responses to God's word. And it's just the idea that we're responsible for how we respond to God's word. And uh, there's also the parable of the of the the net, the parable of the, the weeds and the tares, where uh, weeds and the wheat. So there's there's good good wheat growing, but there's also weeds growing. And they go, what should we pull up the wheat? No, you might hurt the uh, you might should we pull up the weeds? No, you might hurt the wheat. So let it all grow together. In other words, in the kingdom, you have people who are are uh, are, are are real and genuine, and you have people who are not real and not genuine Christians and. But that's up to God to figure out. We don't need to kind of, oh, no, you, we're going to pull you out. You're not allowed to be here. You know, God, God does that work. But we just sow the seed or we just, we just respond to the word. You know, that, that, that's another parable that's in there. And, and these different parables, at one point he says, uh, they say, why are you speaking in parables? And he said, well, this is, some people are going to get it and some people are not going to get it. It's a fulfillment of what Isaiah said, that some people's eyes are closed and their ears are shut and they just don't hear. And, and, and even though it's, it's, I speak to them plainly, it, they don't hear. And so, uh, but you guys, blessed are you because you have heard this, because you are understanding and you are getting this. So um, anyway, so this is kind of towards the end of that chapter. So he says, when he explains this last parable, he says, do you guys get it? He says, yeah. They say, yes, we understand. And he says, this is kind of interesting thing. It, it, Therefore, every teacher of the law who becomes a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like this uh, land, uh, homeowner. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So a, a teacher of the law, who is that? Who's a teacher of the law? Uh, anybody? Who, who are the teachers of the law? Pharisee, Pharisees might have been some of the teachers of the law. Yeah. <laughs> so teachers of the law were people who were really... Highly educated, right? They knew the scriptures. They, so even all Jewish students learned the Old Testament. They memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. But then the teachers of the law went even beyond there, and they studied with a rabbi, and then they became the best of the best. And they, so, so, the, so for a teacher of the law to become a disciple, that, that doesn't, to us that doesn't hit our ears weird. That would have hit their ears really weird. It's like, it, it, it's like for, for somebody who's a doctorate in college, to go back to elementary school. That's kind of the mentality. Like, wait a minute. Like, so what is he talking about? He's talking about being a learner, becoming somebody who is, is super educated, knows the Bible really well, but still being willing to learn. 
being willing to learn the truths of the kingdom of heaven. And that's the main thing I want you to take away today is always being a learner, being willing to be a lifelong learner, no matter how much you've learned. And there's some people here who are new to the church. You, you don't even, you, you know, you're new to Christianity. You're just learning. There's some people on the live stream who maybe don't, don't even know who Jesus is much. And then there's others of you. There's a lot of people in our church who've been around a long time. You know the Bible. You read the, you read the whole Bible in a year. You, you know, you, you studied a lot. But I want to challenge you to learn something new in 2022. Learn something new in 2022. Always be a lifelong learner. And he gives this picture of this person who is a teacher of the law who also becomes a disciple of the kingdom. He's willing to be humble and learn some new things. He says it's like this homeowner who goes into this storeroom and and they just discover all these things. They bring out all these things, new treasures and old treasures. And so this idea of the storeroom, uh, I don't know if you have a room like this. Here's a picture of of the closet in... (laughs) In my my office closet, you know, it's kind of, it's a mystery, right? Because you go in, this is the door, and then you go in, and then around, there's a left turn there, and it's a mystery what's back there, right? Who knows? (laughs) So that's the picture I have of this storeroom of, wow, who knows what's in there? Who knows what you might discover? And that's what being a learner, a lifelong learner is like. You, don't, you might not even expect what you might find. And I, I plan to, over the next few weeks, try to get in there and <laughs> dig that out a little bit and maybe, maybe go on a, an adventure of discovery. That's a good way to look at it, right? So we're going to talk about those two things. We're going to talk about new treasures and old treasures. So number one, new treasures... Uh, you know, there, I hope there's new things that you are learning. Um, when I'm thinking about new things that I'm learning right now, there's a, a new Bible podcast, a Bible Project app. Um, Bible Project makes these videos that I think we probably, a lot of us have seen, we've shown a lot of them on Sundays, but they have a new app. And this app, if you're looking for something new, if you're looking for something to to invigorate your relationship with God. This might be a new thing to try. I got on there and I, I burned about four hours. And I can't do that every day. But because there's videos, there's podcasts, there's um, blog posts, it's all integrated into this app and this, these journeys that you go on. It's, it's pretty cool. It's you know free. Everything is free on there. Tons and tons and tons of instruction. But I hope you're learning something new. Um, this time last year, I had just read this book called With by Sky Jathani, and I taught a little bit on this, uh, and, and uh, this is, and sometimes we're resistant to learning new things. So this book, my, my best friend Marshall had read, and uh, he had told me about it, and he kind of explained this paradigm to me, and I, I, I listened to him enough to go, okay, I got it. I got what you're talking about. I don't really need to read that book, you know. Uh, I get it. I get the idea. And uh, he, he shared about it a few times, and uh, and then my sister gave it to me for Christmas last year. And so I have the actual book. I'm like, okay, God, I, I will read this book. Okay, I get it. I get the hint, you know. And, uh, boy, it really, it really changed my life, uh, this, this, uh, this book, with. Because the, the idea of it, and I just want to r- remind you, because it ties into what we're going to be doing over the next few uh, months in our Bible talks and stuff, this idea of really growing in our relationship with God. So I, I want to remind you about these different paradigms. So with, the idea of with is that 
um, all of religions begin in the same place. So there's this thing that they say when you go to college sometimes that all religions lead to the same mountain, uh, top, mountaintop. It's like all the religions, they all kind of, they all end up being the same. Not true at all. What Sky Jathani, the, the author, argues is all religions begin in the same place, like an inverted mountain. And then they all deviate from there. And the place they all begin is that life is chaotic. Can I get an amen? There's a lot of unknowns. And there's a lot to fear in this world. And so because life is chaotic, because there's a lot of uncertainty, because there's a lot to be afraid of, we want to control things. And so all religions start from that desire for control because the world is, is full of chaos and we're afraid. And so there's different ways that you try to control. And he says that even in the Christian faith, if we're not careful, we can slip into that mindset where really ultimately we want to seize control ourselves. That's really what idolatry is, is, is I want something I can see and I can touch and I can control because I'm afraid of relinquishing control to God. <laughs> I'm afraid to trust God and I want control. And so there's these different ways that even in a relationship with God, we can try to get control. And we can try to make it about us instead of about God. And so there's life over God. Uh, let me start with life under God. Life under God is where you are under God's sovereignty. You're surrendering to him. But it's a ritualistic walk with God where you're doing, you're doing all these, you're following all these rules. You have the right doctrine. You're following the right rituals. So he kind of has to bless you or he has to give you the outcome that you expect because you're doing these things. So really, it's still, you're, you're still trying to control God. Life over God is you, you kind of circumvent God or you cut out the middleman and you go straight to what are the techniques, what are the tools, what are the spiritual um, principles? And I just want to use those. And you know, So you kind of go, what are the five tools to having a successful marriage, or what are the seven ways to grow your ministry? You know, these different kind of things we want to kind of gravitate towards. Just give me the bottom line, or just give me the technique, or just give me the tool. But that's still, you know, you're, you're trying to, you know, you're cutting God out. Life from God, the third one, is the health-wealth gospel. That I, you know, I deserve, or I'm here to, to claim these blessings from God, or God, God wants to give, you know, God wants to bless me. God wants, and he does, he does want to bless us, but it becomes this thing of, I, I expect material possessions. I expect to, to prosper. I expect to, you know, like, and you, you kind of almost demand those things from God, life from God. Life for God is the one I, I wrestled with the most. It challenged me the most. I didn't like it the most. And that's this idea that you're doing things for God. You're serving God. Uh, you're sacrificing for God, but what can happen is it becomes that becomes kind of your identity or, or why you're doing you know what makes you okay. I'm okay because I'm doing these things, or uh, God loves me because, more because I'm doing these things, rather than your identity and your self worth being in just that walk with God. So the the book helped me to just get back to life with God. That's what I need to value more than anything else. It's just. Being with God, just God's presence, because there's always going to be a temptation to, 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 for, towards idolatry or towards empire or towards control or towards things that I you know, can see and can, can, can touch and can understand rather than the mystery of God and just being with him. And that's, what, that's a, 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 something that you see throughout the Bible, 
that God tests. Even, you know, that time of testing in the desert, they had to rely on that manna that they hoped would come every day, but it was just enough for that one day. And, they, you know, God was teaching them to trust in him and to be with him and to rely on him rather than on things that they can control. So I mention all that to say that we, we, we're going to be doing a, a, something in our, in our uh, small groups. We're going to be going through this book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And uh, that's kind of the objective of this book is getting, get, getting emotionally in a, in, in a place that, that, that you really connect with God. And, and, and getting the, your self-worth from this walk with God and from this relationship with God. And so that's what we're going to be covering. So it's an eight-week course that we're going to be doing <coughs> in February and March. And we'll be talking about it more at our New Year's kickoff. But I just wanted to kind of plow the ground a little bit and just kind of get ahead of it a little bit just to kind of let you know what's coming. Because sometimes we can uh, be resistant to things that are new or even things that are old. And so, uh, you know, I know I am. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to read that. Oh, I don't want to do that. And, and that's your choice. Nobody has to read this book. Nobody has to do this. But I think you might look at it. This is an opportunity for me to, again, be a lifelong learner. You know, this is an opportunity for me to maybe get something out of it. Um, and, and there's a lot. Let me just say for myself, when I hear the term emotionally healthy or I talk about emotions, like the first chapter is, uh, or one of the first chapters is knowing yourself to know God. And... Uh, and then the next chapter is like going backwards to go forward, like looking into your family of origin. And I just don't honestly like that stuff. <laughs> you know, I am like more of an intellectual type, more of, I, I want to just uh, facts and figures and brain, you know, brain. I don't like the emotion stuff. Like I'm already emotional. You know, I watch a McDonald's commercial and it makes me cry. You know, and I know they're manipulating me. Like, I already know they're, like, the father's there and the dad, you know, the son, and the, they're getting their French fries. I'm like, oh, I know what they're trying to do to me. Uh, so I, I don't like that, you know, this idea of, oh, what are my emotions right now? What am I feeling? And, and getting in touch with my feelings. There's part of me that doesn't like that. I'm not saying I'm right, right? I'm just saying this, you might relate to me. Or you might sit in judgment of me, like, oh, my gosh, you typical you know, whatever, you should be more, amen, like, wherever you're at, we can all learn something, right, we can all learn, learn something, so that's the way I'm trying to look at it, I want to have a humble uh, posture towards learning these things, there's another book, even just, I'm trying to, to lean into this stuff, so there's this another book that I'm reading right now, this is not one we're all going to be reading, called The Road Back to You, An Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery, I don't know even where I got this book, it's in my Kindle, did somebody recommend this book to me? I don't even know how I got it. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm reading this, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of like the other book. And it, Enneagram is this very ancient, uh, kind of like a personality thing of these different personalities, but it's, it's hundreds of years old. And so I'm reading it. Again, I don't really like it, because it's sort of like telling me how I am, and I'm a perfectionist, and I, I get, and I'm angry, and, and it's true. I mean, I, you know, like... It's like when I read the ADD book. I didn't like that one. I, like, I stopped reading it. I'm, I don't like this. Um, so, so anyways, but I realize it's good for me. I realize it's good for me. So, so I, I, I'd say all that to say, you know, be willing to learn something new. Uh, be willing to, you know, that self-discovery. Personally, I don't like that, that phrase because I'm like, oh, I'm, I need to deny myself. I want to push away myself. 
but I'm trying to go, okay, like, I, God, I want to learn something new, you know? Here I am, Lord. I, I want to be open. I, 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 I'm open to this. This thing, and I've heard testimonies from David Mary Atkins and many other people who've said this book has, like, changed their life. And Betty's going to be sharing in a little bit about how this book really changed her life. And so I'm like, okay, I can learn something new. I, I want to be a lifelong learner, and I, and I want to wrestle with stuff. And wrestling is good. You know, the, even the whole name of, of Israel, the whole name of God's people was named after a guy who wrestled with God. Israel means he wrestles with God. And so our, our walk with God should involve some wrestling. And, oh, I don't like this. Oh, I, that's how we grow, right? That's how we grow is from things like that. So as well as old, there's going to be some old treasures that we get. Uh, there's going to be some old things. So th the idea of this, this um, guy who's a teacher of the law, new treasures as well as old, he has all that stuff that it, he might not even know he knows. But there's all this old tradition that can also be something that other people can gain from and can learn from it. So we can learn from the, these ancient practices of others or ancient traditions of others. And when I think of old treasure, I want to show you this. Uh, this is silverware that my grandfather gave me that's like, I think it's from Civil War era. So it's like 100 some years old. And, and uh, it's pretty cool. It's, it's you know, actual silver. You got to polish it, but it's real fancy, this inlays. He gave this to us when we got married. And my grandfather's passed on now. Uh, we, get, we used to get this out at Thanksgiving. It's been a while because you have to polish it and wash it by hand and all that. But it's pretty, you know, it's really neat. But this, this is something that it makes me think about, you know, where I come from. It makes me think about the South, where my grandfather was. It makes me think about, you know, uh, he was an antique collector. So he uh, makes me think about my grandfather. So I, uh, I, I, I think we can have the same perspective towards things that are ancient when it comes to spirituality. Because there's a lot of old ancient spirituality practices that people have been doing for thousands of years or, or people of faith have used to enrich their walk with God that are kind of like that. It's something old that's still useful. You just maybe polish it up a little bit and, and try it out. It can be something really, really uh, affirming. It can really grow, gain, uh, help your relationship with God to gain new ground or, or go deeper. Um, and again, just to share personally, I'm a Generation X person, and uh, come on, Generation X, there's a few of us. And I don't know about the rest of you guys. You guys could confirm or deny this, but so part of the reason I liked our church uh, when I was young, or part of the reason I, I kind of signed on to our church years ago, I really liked that we were sort of, quote-unquote, non-traditional. Like, I loved that we were, there's not all this fancy, I, the, the preacher's not wearing this, like, fancy thing, and... There's not a book that you, you know, peace be with you and also with you and all these traditions and stand up, sit down and, you know, or things in Latin or like I, I, I was like, I didn't even want to see a cross at the church building. You know, like I, I'm just saying that's kind of where I came from. It's like throw out all the tradition. And, and, and the, but the funny thing is, is now that I'm older, I realize we have a lot of tradition. It's just our own tradition. Right? It's not like in the first century they had microphones or, or, or you know, big screens or all the laptops. Or, like, this is, just, this is our traditional stuff, right, that will one day be old. And something I noticed about younger people, and, and younger people, you can confirm or deny this, but when I, uh, I went to college starting in 2016, master's uh, classes at Pepperdine, 
And so I'm in my late 40s, mid to late 40s, uh, and all of the other students in my classes are like early 20s. And uh, they were kind of zillennials, you know? Is that, is that what it's called, Megan? Zillennials? Okay. So, uh, so they were all like Megan's age. And I loved it. I, I, I loved the stuff that I learned in, in my classes, but I also loved just hanging out with a lot of people that were that age and just kind of getting their worldview and understanding more how they looked at things. And uh, they didn't mind tradition. Like, they kind of almost liked it. Like, in a lot of my classes, we would have to study some church or go attend some uh, other kind of congregation. And they all wanted to go to, like, these ancient churches or learn these ancient things. Or, uh, like, I had this one class where we were learning what the liturgical calendar is and, 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 and what the Stations of the Cross is and all these different old kind of things, and, and my, my Gen X self is like, I hate this stuff. I don't like this stuff. You know, I don't like the traditional stuff. But all these young people are like, I like these traditional things, like just learning. Why? Because it connects them, I think, to something bigger and something older and kind of a narrative story. So just like that, China connects me to a narrative story. My grandfather, the Civil War, just this old stuff. That's kind of what tradition can do. So tradition is not necessarily bad in and of itself. Just like money is money bad or good? It's either, right? It's what you do with it. Tradition is the same. It's not bad, it's not good, it's what do you do with it. So Jesus, Jesus practiced traditions. Jesus uh, you know, most likely said these different Jewish prayers like you see him doing in the Chosen series. Uh, Jesus you know, went to the synagogue, he went to the temple, he, did, he's, he practiced these traditions, but his thing was, the Sabbath is not made, man's not made for this, Sabbath, Sabbath is made for man. So tradition has to have its right place. And he says, you, you guys, at one point he says, you guys are putting tradition above the word of God. And he gives them an example. Tradition can't be above the word of God, but tradition can, can supplement the word of God or can help us connect to the word of God. Or, you know, tradition can be good. And so, or it can be something valuable. And I say that because there's this companion book to Emotionally, Spiritually, Emotionally healthy spirituality called day by day. That's teaching you to do the daily office. Anybody heard of the daily office? Yeah. For me, during quarantine, daily office was watching The Office every day on Netflix. Uh, before they took it off, I loved The Office. But uh, that's not what this is about. This is uh, also called the examine, the daily examine. But it's these times of prayer during the day. And at these times during the day, you stop and you practice stillness. And you, oftentimes there's a prayer. In this book, it'll have a prayer that you can reflect on. You, 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 we'll, we'll talk this through. We'll explain it to you. But, but it's a time to just be still and stop and, and, and recognize God. Uh, a couple times a day in this book, there's people that practice it five times a day or three times a day. And again, this is... Uh, an ancient, ancient practice. And so it's like, is this, you know, what's my perspective going to be towards this? So again, for any of you who doesn't like this idea or like tradition, I just want to remind you, remember Daniel? What, 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 was Dan, what happened with Daniel? Why did he get thrown in the lion's den? Because he was praying. And do you remember what it said? It says three times a day he would open his window towards Jerusalem and he would pray. So he had this tradition. Three times a day, certain times a day, he did this prayer. Um, is, is there something about a time of prayer in the book of Acts at all? You guys remember that? Anything about that? 
Acts 3, it says they went to the temple at the time of prayer. Acts 10, it says that at the time of prayer, there's these different times of prayer in Jewish tradition. So at the time of prayer, uh, Peter went up on the roof to pray in Acts 10. That was at that noon time. So there's like a 9 a.m. time of prayer. There's a noon time of prayer. There's a 3 in the afternoon time of prayer. And, uh, you know, those are mentioned in different uh, parts of the, of the New Testament. So uh, uh, Cornelius, who Peter ends up talking to, he has a vision at, his, at the time of prayer. Peter has a vision at the time of prayer, uh, a different one, and then they connect with each other. We, all, we probably know the story of Acts 10. If you don't read it, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool one. But I, I mention that because if they hadn't been practicing that time of prayer, they wouldn't have seen the vision. If they hadn't seen the vision, then they wouldn't have connected with, with each other. You wouldn't have had the first Gentile conversion. Maybe none of us would be here. So, so the idea is that you've got to make space for God. And we think of that typically as like, I'm going to get up and have a quiet time in the morning. Please keep doing that. Like, get up and have a quiet time in the morning. But these are other ways to make space for God. And the idea is if you make space for God, he will show up. If you make space for God's presence, you will experience God's presence. Maybe not every time, right? Just like sometimes I go out for a prayer walk and I... I just feel, I, I feel like God didn't really show up. But if I go out every single day on a prayer walk, God's going to show up. You know, and I'm going I'm to be able to experience him, and I'm going to be able to, to be with him. And There's a, this old saying in, in, in Christian uh, tradition about uh, a sail that will catch the Spirit of God, because the word spirit is wind in the Bible, or breath. And so, like, I, I want to have patterns, or rhythms, or... Uh, you know, practices that allow me to, to be there for, to catch God's spirit, to be there when God shows up. To, you know, if I don't have those rhythms or those practices, then, then I'm missing out. And so think about uh, in 2022 as you're learning something new, establishing some new practice or trying some new, uh, new walk with God, something new in your walk with God, like an ancient thing like the daily examine. And we'll, you'll be hearing more about that. Uh, I love this scripture in uh, Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. I like that, uh, I, I like that, that vision of, of, of standing at this crossroads and going, which is the old way to do it? You know, so, so there's a, sometimes I go, I want, I want to know the new way. But then there's also a time to go, what's the old way to do it? And that's what God's people needed here at this cross, at this time, Jeremiah 6. But they were like, oh, no, no, we don't want that. We don't want the old way. We don't, we don't, wanna, we don't want the ancient paths. And he, but he says, you will find rest for your souls. Who else talked about rest for your souls? Jesus, Matthew 11, right? You will find, come to me. Like, I think he was probably had this scripture in mind. I represent that ancient path. I am God in the, in the flesh. When you come to me, you're coming to God. You're returning to the ancient path. You're returning to God's, what God always wanted for his people. And you will find rest for your soul. So old things can be good. So uh, again, to, to, to kind of close out here and introduce Betty, pick some new thing and some old thing as, as you're looking at 2022 that you want to practice in your walk with God. So you can soak up more of God. You can be with God. You can learn more. Being a lifelong learner, no matter where you're at in your journey, you want to learn more. You want to soak up more. Um, as Betty's coming up here, I want to show you this quick analogy. Um, 
you know, some of us are able to soak up a lot, like when it comes to learning podcasts and the Bible Project and, you know, maybe taking classes. We're like a big old sponge that we just soak up a lot. Like this is like a Doug Jacoby sponge right here. And other, others of us might feel like this little teeny, you know, scrawny sponge. Like I can, I can only absorb so much, Brian. I can only learn so much. But the thing is, is God, his presence, his word is endless. It's like the ocean. So if I dip this in the ocean or I dip this in the ocean, it doesn't really matter. The point is to go into that storehouse every day and, and to dig for something deep in your walk with God. And, 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 and hopefully as we go through these books and as we kind of introduce you to some of this stuff, you'll learn some new things. So I want to introduce, uh, not introduce, so you all know her. I want to welcome Betty up here to share a little bit more about her own journey. Thank you. So Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So what I want to share is that um, the cross has meant different things to me at different times in my life. So yesterday I was thinking about this. You know, whenever somebody asks you to do, to share at communion, I don't know about you, but I'm like, oh my God, why they pick me? <laughs> I'm struggling. Um, you can ask my roommates. But um, yesterday, I was just thinking about it and what the cross means to me today, January, the year 2022. And this, this image came to my mind. Like, to me, the cross means love, it just means unhindered love. And the image that came to my mind is this, like, you know, we've all attended, like, a few weddings in our lifetime, and most of us love seeing the bride walk in full of joy and radiance, and uh, I've never seen an ugly bride. Now before, but no, never said that. Uh, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But um, but lately, <laughs> lately, I've just really enjoyed watching the groom to see his reaction when when the bride walks in. It doesn't matter that they might have had like a bump or something a couple days before, or hair was out of place, or. You don't, you don't see that. You just see love. It's as if no one else is in the room. All you see is the groom's eyes. So I, I thought about this perspective. Like, this love reminds me of God's love for me. When God looks at Jesus, it's like God is looking in. All he sees is overwhelming love in Jesus' eyes for me. The most, the most amazing part of this is that the love that Jesus has for me, for us, is not dependent on me. It's not dependent on me loving him back, and it's not dependent on me living a perfect life. So I want to share about a time, and trust me, there are many times, but this is just one. From 2014 to 2015, I was just going through a season of, of grief, of life trauma, and um, I just felt really numb inside. I was dealing with the loss of my mom, the loss of my nephew, physical issues, loss of my ability to have children. And I knew something was off. 
But I didn't know what it was, so I, I just did what I normally do. Let me read, let me pray, let me talk about it. And I was, I was busy. I didn't have time to deal with it. I just felt a lot of pain in my heart, and I really missed my connection with God. In my mind, I kept asking, why isn't this changing? <clears throat> and asking God, I was actually begging God to help me. So some things seem like a curse, but they actually are a blessing. So I was at home recovering from surgery for about two months. And I was so exhausted. I was, I was actually looking forward to surgery just to be off work. I know that sounds crazy, but I was so tired. But I was, since I was off, uh, I actually um, I talked to Jackie about doing a sabbatical. Now my sabbatical, she, and this was so cool. She says, well, what does that look like for you? I'm like, I don't want to do, I don't want to disciple anybody. I just want to have my D time. And when I can, I want to go to church. It's like, I, I just felt like I just needed that time. But I also stumbled across this book called um, Emotionally Healthy Spiritually, Spiritually, right? But the singles ministry had read that book. I couldn't read it. I was just like, Brian, I was like, oh, God, I cannot do another one of these emotional books, you know. So I didn't read the book. I, I just couldn't. But for some reason, well, God reason, I picked the book up, and I read the preface and the first chapter, and I was just blown away because I felt like everything I was feeling, the author verbal was communicated, and... You know, sometimes you're in a place where you feel like, man, I just can't even pray. Like, I don't know the words to say. Um, but he would have these prayers at the end of the book, and I actually would pray those prayers. And I would modify them based on what I was feeling. Like, if it wasn't true, then I didn't say it, but I was just like, I would pray them. And I actually ended up reading the whole book, and I felt as... I was reading a book, God was peeling off layers and layers and layers of things that were clogging up my heart and my connection with him. And I, I started walking. So I actually, I walk a lot. I haven't walked lately, but I, ha I usually walk a lot. <laughs> um, but one thing that God revealed in my heart was I was very disappointed with God. I felt so disappointed. Now, this may sound dumb, what I'm about to say, why I was disappointed. My mom passed away at 88. She was an amazing life. But I wanted my mom to live to 90. And I was so angry and so disappointed with God because I'm like, you could have let her live two more years. But I was mad because I knew that if anyone could extend her life, that it was God. And I felt like God let me down, right? I don't know if you guys ever felt like that. But, um, and as time went by, he continued to heal my wounds. And I, I, it didn't change overnight, my, my connection. But it changed day by day by day by day. You know, that's the time when Davida and I got really close. She was off work and I was there and she would come over and we'd spend time talking, laughing, eating. <laughs> and, but God began to teach me new things new ways of just being with him through this book. God showed me and still has to remind me that what he wants to do is just connect with me. This was one of the points that I read in the book. It says, Christianity is not about our disciplined pursuit of God, 
but about God's relentless pursuit of us to the point of dying on the cross for us that we might become friends. Well, the inexhaustible God loves us, loves me so intensely that every time I turn to him after wandering from his love, all heaven breaks out in a thunderous celebration. Sometimes when I think about the, disc, the separation that I felt from God, I think about Jesus. I think about him on the cross. You know, there was a time when Jesus, it was like he was, darkness came. And he was disconnected from God. Like, wow, even in that, Jesus could relate to my pain, right? So as, as we draw close to the cross, week after week, we can be assured that Jesus like the groom, is not focused on our mess, but the fact that we want to connect with him. You know, Christ willingly died for me, died for us, so that no matter how much you've messed up, this is, this is why I love the cross. It just reminds me, no matter how I've messed up over the week, over the years, over the months, or how far I may feel from God, he loves me, he loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. So I want to remind myself, I want to remind us, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Thank you, God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for just bringing each one of us at this moment, at this time, to be reminded of Jesus' love for us. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his willingness to be on that cross, to fight in the Garden of Gethsemane, to push through. I'm sure he didn't want to do what he had to do. He didn't want to do that, but he did it out of love. I think about how he looks at us from the cross, not with regret, not with, you know, a dislike, but with overwhelming love. I pray that each heart here, physically, each heart that's joined us online, God, that each one of us will be reminded that we are never too far from you. We only have to turn to you. Thank you so, for the cross and reminding us that you love us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.